0: Welcome to the OMR Podcast, where we go inside the minds of the biggest names in digital. I'm Scott Peterson, and I am an editor at OMR. In today's episode, we're talking sustainable fashion with Marcus Butler and Stephanie Giesinger. Stephanie won Germany's Next Top Model in 2014 and has been a mainstay on the German influencer scene ever since, while Marcus is a UK based podcaster, radio host, and first and foremost, a very successful YouTube personality. Stephanie and Marcus sat down with Omar founder Philip Westermeyer to discuss their latest endeavor, sustainable fashion brand New Inn. The trio touched on the genesis of the project, what they hope to achieve with New Inn, and how they hope to leverage their respective platforms to grow their business. The Omar podcast with Philip Westermeyer starts now. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> where, are you, where are you at these days?
1: Well, we're in Berlin. I'm on the couch upstairs. Marcus is downstairs, so the sound <laughs> is good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So right.
1: I'm chilling on the couch. Where are you actually, Marcus? Are you in the dressing room or in the...
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm sat in the dressing room. This is definitely oh. the most unique podcast I've, situation I've ever done <laughs> because of the situation. So,
0: Ooh, yeah. do, you, do you live in Berlin together?
1: Well, uh, I think that's a difficult question. Um, We're actually having a distant relationship. So, Marcus is living in London. I'm living in Berlin. But because of Corona, we are now already for two months here in Berlin in the flat. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I live in Berlin. He lives in London.
0: Okay. Okay. I I hope the flat is large enough, but it seems like it.
1: Yeah, I actually can hear that uh, dryer, the washing machine. <laughs> okay. can, you, can you turn off the washing machine?
2: Oh my God, is it going off? I, I've got noise cancelling. I can't even hear. Oh God, it's going off.
0: I'm so, I'm so sorry. What, what a it's okay. That, that makes a podcast authentic. That's what we need. That's exactly what we need. Um, Thank you, Marcus. So, so sorry about that. <laughs> 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 Maybe to just start off I mean everybody knows Stephanie's story I think it's you know the 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 public story at least started 2014 winning um Germany's next top model the show um how did you start out Marcus I mean I think like probably most of our listeners in the German market at least they don't know you quite that well
2: Sure um mm. so I'm kind of like one of the original youtubers I guess you could call it that I was uploading videos to youtube from a very young age from I learned to edit videos um from creating mixtapes of my favorite basketball players when i was 14 and then this led to me putting myself in front of the camera when i was 17 and this was back in 2009 so this was kind of a long time ago before influencing became a thing before you could earn money on youtube and i became part of a generation that kind of pioneered the content on YouTube and it's funny because me and Steffi were speaking about this earlier Germany was always one of my like fourth or fifth biggest uh, viewerships on YouTube Mm -hmm. now I don't know if this was because it's such a big nation they were maybe watching my videos to learn English or something like this but when we two actually came together it was quite funny because a lot of my fans at the time who were German obviously knew Steffi so they found that it was such a coincidence that we'd come together. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah, I kind of, how sorry. did it happen?
0: How did you come? I mean, where did you meet?
1: <laughs> Do you want to tell it?
0: <laughs> no, you can tell it.
1: I can tell it. Okay. So yeah. Instagram did a trip, um, to the Amphagala Gala in France in Cannes, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, Marcus was invited from England. I was invited from Germany and we. Met on this trip, we sat on one table, and I guess, yeah, Marcus lied his eyes on me. <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> I was, um, yeah, yeah, maybe you can tell it, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, she set it up, so yeah, we went on this trip to Amphar Gala, and Steffi was there. They Instagram took people from all over the world, they took me from the UK, they took Steffi from Germany and yeah we so we met at this event and i had a massive crush on her she didn't have a massive crush on me so we just spent the evening hanging out getting to know each other and then um at the end of the night we just exchanged phone numbers and then we just started to speak to each other when i was back in london she was in berlin and then yeah it was like that for a few months and then we moved to actually seeing each other in real life, I took the trip to Berlin. Okay, so fresh. so
0: you, especially Stephanie, you owe everything to Instagram now. Not not only your your career, but also your, your business career, but also your your relationship. <laughs>
1: That's funny. I mean, we know the people who are working for Instagram and they're literally like, okay, you're going to call your baby Instagram, right? And they're <laughs> like, ah, sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. But but so so you started out as a YouTuber and then did you like change your content over the years quite a bit? I mean, what we can see from you today is that a lot, I mean, it seems like it's a lot different from putting basketball videos on there.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I always say, I uploaded videos to YouTube over a 10 year period from the age of 27, uh, from the age of 17 to 27. And when you think of how much you change as an individual over that time period, it's natural that your content would change on YouTube. So I did everything from daily vlogs on YouTube to comedy sketches. I had a gaming channel at one point. Um, I kind of collaborated with a lot of different people in the space. I had a podcast for three years, Uh, I had a book, I've done all those things that um, a typical YouTuber sort of moves into. And then I also discovered a passion for, I guess, fashion in the last sort of two years, and started to move more in that space through Instagram and the things that we're now doing. So that's kind of a bit of my transitional journey, I guess.
0: Was it inspired by, by Stephanie?
2: The fashion stuff, yeah, yeah. Um, not like so much the fashion stuff, but I think just the having the confidence to be able to change online because changing online is, you know, you when you put yourself online, people remember you for however you've presented that version of yourself online. So it was quite a journey for me over a long period of time to become confident in myself to actually change into what I want to do, rather than feeling like I had to post mm-hmm. videos for what people knew me for, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And and but I mean, it was always your profession, right? I mean, you did you that was basically from from very young age, you did that as a career job as 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 your full time job, right?
2: Yeah, so I, I wanted to go to mm-hmm. university to study business and marketing. Um, but at the time I got a job, I became a software salesman when I was 19. And I thought, well, I'm learning everything I wanted to learn about business through this job. So I said no to university. And at the time, I was just doing YouTube as a, as a hobby on the side. Um, so I was doing this job for three years whilst hustling away and doing YouTube in my spare time trying to grow an audience. And then when I decided I wanted to try and do YouTube full time, you know I said no to this job. And I think my parents were a bit scared because I turned university down. I had this good job that I turned all of a sudden wanted to quit. Um, but you know, I feel like those were the right decisions now and I'm thankful that I did those decisions then. <laughs>
0: i mean my my feeling is like the way stephanie grew as a as a as a as a social media star as a, as a real lifestyle you know it's, it's the same in the end um is is like it was inspired by tv quite a bit and then by the very beginnings of instagram very good timing very interesting content very good story is that is that a correct summary i mean stephanie i believe you didn't like really use tactics or strategies in the beginning you just did what you wanted to do and you were just you know, living your life and that, you know, had, had a very good, you know, moment for you that you grew s- so big or did you really like strategize much over it?
1: No, there was no strategy. I was very young, I was 16 and I had Instagram um, from 2011, I believe. And I won Germany's Next Top Model with 2014, exactly. So I was posting every day, I think quite similar to every other person in my age because Instagram was, just becoming big, and um, yeah, I was just enjoying it, and I was sharing a big part of my life. And I guess I was at the right time, at the right place, and that really helped me in my career.
0: Mm-hmm. But with Marcus, you just sounded like you were more strategic about. It. I mean, you had to probably work harder in the early years already to get an audience because you didn't have the TV power behind you, and you didn't have this this natural fit. And, uh, Is that true? I mean, did you really like start tactics earlier? I mean, like I
2: was I call myself like a second generation YouTuber. So you you had the the generation before me who were the first ever people to sort of upload a video blog on the internet. And then it was people like me who were watching these people and then we you know, we sort thought that was cool and then thought, oh, I want to give this a go too. And we just happened to be in the right place at the right time when you know google started to serve ads on youtube and uh, all of a sudden you started to become a bit of a brand and you started to build a following and once you started that snowball effect because there was a lot of hustling you know i was doing videos for 3 years when they weren't getting any views and it just got to a point when something i don't know right time right place i don't know really what happened and then this boom just happened and from there it kind of snowballed and yeah, it just started to work for me and some of my friends at the time.
0: What was the turning point? Or was there like a certain video or a certain new new element on YouTube or like a certain thing that you did that, that really like turned the, everything around?
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say it was collaboration. So the generation of YouTubers that I come from, we were the first guys who really pushed the collaboration model. So we we sort of, we were friends hanging out, doing the same type of thing. And that brought us together anyway because you know at the time back then uploading videos to youtube 10 years ago you're a bit of a weirdo like it wasn't a normal thing um so we sort of connected over that and then we just were like why don't we start making videos together because it's more enjoyable you 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 know the content's more fun to film if you're doing challenges or whatever it's more fun and at the same time you can cross-pollinate and share an audience and we, we tried it, it worked. And then there was a sort of a group of about six of us. So we all started to just grow and collaborate and hang out all the time, make videos. We went on tours, we toured around, you know, in the UK, around parts of America. So I'd probably say it was the collaboration part for us that really started that rise.
0: How about in, in the fashion game, Stefanie? I mean, I noticed from an outsider perspective that there's also a lot of collaborations going on. I mean, you've been together with other influencer uh, people like from Germany in your early days. You, it looks like you build up other followerships. Um, is, how do you think about collaboration?
1: Well, I think collaboration is very It's very good because you can always help other people and other people can help you. And it's actually nice because it's a people's business. So it's like having friendships and just enjoying the time together while you're actually building a business and growing a business together. But that was never in my head, I guess, because I was so young and I was never business orientated. I never thought of, oh, my God, I need to take a picture with this person or I'd like to do a collaboration with this person. It was more very authentic. And I was just posting pictures with my friends who happened to be influencers as well.
0: But do you feel like today when somebody is with you, you look at how many followers they have and who shares what and who profits more and who profits less? Um, is that something that's in your head when you meet people, you know, in a, around the platform? <laughs>
1: yeah so I think this person has five million followers. I want to be in that no, no, <laughs> this is not how my brain works and to be honest, I know that many people are tactical in that kind of sense, and there's nothing wrong with that because it is a business in the end. but um yeah, for me, it's I don't know i I couldn't bring this before a personal relationship and I no, I don't know. It is a hard topic. It is a very interesting topic. And I'm not that type of person who is trying to strategically um, getting into a relationship with people who have a lot of followers. No.
0: But it seems like this is like going on all over the place. I mean, if I look through Instagram, I always <laughs> like find that there's like art relationships growing that might seem inspired that seem inspired by by, you know, somebody profiting from somebody else
1: yeah
2: yeah. I, I, th- I think you have it in like any creative industry even if you take a look at music you'll have people collaborating on songs who for sure are not friends of each other but their labels might have come together and gone yo guys this will be really good you've got a big audience here you've got and they do it but on the contrary you also might have two musicians who genuinely are friends and have a really good relationship and then they make a song because of that reason you know I think it's kind of the same in any Uh, creative industry where you you have things like that
0: Mm, mm. that's true okay um and i mean you two seem to be collaborating quite successfully as well right i mean (laughs) uh, is that i mean did did, like one of you grow i mean i i believe marcus you must have grown quite a bit on instagram quite since since stephanie has has, uh, at least in germany has uh, always like put you in her stories and everything (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I pay her a really good fee,
1: actually. <laughs> that's so funny. No, actually not. I mean, that's, that's always, it's so weird because when we're at home, this is not us, the people who are on the outside, you know, and not the people who have the big amount of following on Instagram. So we sometimes think about it, talk about it and laugh about it. But it's not that Marcus profited of my career or I profited of his career. I don't believe so. I think it was very weird for our fans um, who knew me and who knew Marcus before our relationship when they saw us dating. That was like very interesting for them, I guess. But I don't really think that we changed each other's careers. Do you think so, Marcus?
2: No, I think we're we're just in a really lucky position where we both understand each other's careers because there's aspects from both of them that are similar. And I think that's what has helped with understanding each other's situations um, and why we can be so open about it because, you know, we've both experienced similar situations. So um, I think it helps if anything.
0: Okay. I mean, just to get an impression, Marcus, if you walk around in Berlin, Is that going to be like a situation immediately where people come to you and want to take a picture and like point the finger and this is Marcus? Is that only happening in London? Um, To be honest, no,
2: like not really um, in Germany. And also in London, I find, I I actually find when you go to like major cities in the world, like London, New York, places like that, these cities are so uh, populated with people who are constantly uh, never stopping There's, you know, people go to these cities because they're working nonstop. They draw those types of people there. I find it's when you go to sort of towns that are smaller outside of those places that more people seem to recognize you same as Steffi. Like, of course, mm-hmm. people in Berlin know who she is, but it's not like the same as if you go to her hometown or you go to like a smaller German town where a lot more people there seem to know who you are. If does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Saying I mean, it I, like that. Yeah. yeah, and and do you do uh, like corporations with brands as well together? I mean, do is there major brands that sort of like ask both of you to work for them? I mean, I mean, I know that you're going to talk about that in a second. That you have launched your own brand now, your own company, but there must be a time before that when you worked for for brands quite a lot. And did you like? you know, sort of like, appear there as a couple?
1: Yeah, there were a few times where we worked together, we worked together for L'Oreal for Bolsch & Gabbana, we walked for them together quite a couple of times. Um, But other than that, no, and I think we never did a cooperation on Instagram together with a brand. It was always just like physically or as a model. Um, No, that was never really the case.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what's what's the biggest brands or the biggest partners you had previous to the um to, to your own company? What was the biggest single brand that you worked for all over the over over all the years, uh, Marcus and Stephanie? Oh. Do
1: you want to so, go first? Or I
2: I'm trying to think. It's uh it's a hard question to answer in terms of brand recognition, like. I mean, yeah, I've worked with Nike, Steffi works with Nike, L'Oreal, she mentioned that in terms of brands being well-known, I think those those guys are probably up there. Um,
1: yeah, I, I kind of, I'm not trying to do one-off jobs. Um, that feels a little bit unauthentic to me. Like the longer I do this job, the more I just want to build partnerships and big relationships so i do work with nike quite tightly for three years already and with l'oreal and with mercedes and um now we do our own brand which is hopefully the biggest out of all (laughs) 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 and um i I have my own skincare which is called moi um so yeah we're i feel like we're concentrating more on like big partnerships and actually building up own brands
0: okay let's talk about that a little bit i mean your own brand that's that's the that's the big new thing um how did that start and, and i mean obviously it's something that's been seen before in this whole space i mean there's people starting with kylie jenner and and others internationally that that have you know realized they have such immense uh uh reach uh, you know traffic that they can create they can basically sell everything they want um, how did it start for you
1: so I started with my own skincare, and that was two years ago now um, the decision for that came because I was well aware of that I can sell things that because of people yeah, they trust me and I'm like an idol for some people um, so I was like that's actually so cool that I can create my own product and I can decide how they look, what's inside of them and like bring all the attributes in there that are important to me Um, rather than just advertising a brand that doesn't have anything to do with me. That just pays me for a one-off job. And I think many influencers will start to do their own brands now, which is, I think a quite smart move.
0: But you would, did, did somebody approach you and, and suggest to do that together? I mean, you don't. I mean, usually, as a as a you know as a person that puts out content on Instagram, you you don't have the resources to start a company that actually like create a product. You need partners for that, or do you did you start everything by yourself? No. So
2: it it was a yeah. funny timing because like we wanted to do uh, a unisex brand together probably about a year ago, and we were trying to find a partner who could help us because like you said. You know you want to go into set a business up in this industry of course you're going to need help and expertise in those areas that you may not have that experience and so we really weirdly through one of my friends got introduced to a guy called mike who essentially is the the founder of In, and he kind of bought this vision and initial concept to us And then we just kind of realized that, yeah, we could come together here and create like a much bigger thing than we ever originally wanted to do. And that's kind of how we got into it. You know, we've built a team that have, we've got so much experience from all the different areas of the business that we have never had experience in. And we've got a team now of 20, just 21 now. And yeah, we just launched the other day and it's super exciting, but.
0: And, and about how many parts or like how many percentage of the companies do you actually own? Then I mean, that's, is, is that like basically everything is yours and the partner, the, the, the founder is just a small shareholder or is, or is it his company and you're just a little bit um, uh, participating in the company?
2: Yeah, so we're all um, co founders in the company. We have a few different co founders. We've got Mike, you got me, you got Poppy, who's our creative director, um, obviously, Steffi. So it's kind of like, um, it's built up of, of a team of of co-founders.
0: Okay, okay. And some bring the industry expertise and you bring the reach basically.
1: Yeah, exactly. exactly. We're, We're equal shareholders. And that's also one thing that I would advertise to any influencer or to any person, to be honest, who wants to start a brand, you have to trust and find the right people for every part of the brand. Because you can't be like, okay, I can do it all myself and I know exactly how it works. I'm just going to find the place where it can be produced and that's it. But, you know, knowledge is key. And of course, Marcus and I, we know that we don't know everything, especially not in this industry. It's so hard. Like people are studying for this for, I don't know, five years. So um, it was vital for us to have someone like Mike, who's our CEO.
0: What's going to be the core product? I mean, if you if you like people like hearing about new in for the first time, what's going to be the the, the one key product that stands for the brand? Is it a white T-shirt or blue? What is it?
1: <laughs> no, it's fashionable clothes. It's it's sustainable, fashionable clothes. So for us, it's very important. We love fashion, and we want fashion to. Be fashionable and like trend orientated but we really care for our planet we care for our environment and the fashion industry is shifting at the moment um, because the fashion industry can't ignore the fact anymore that um, the textile industry is the second most polluting industry in the whole world and um, yeah we're basically just focusing on trend orientated clothing that is sustainable
2: yeah, mm-hmm. the, the goal with it was to make basically sustainable fashion accessible because a lot of people uh, either aren't aware about sustainable fashion or they have high price points with it. So we really wanted to make it accessible for people.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, but isn't that like a, in a way? I always ask myself that question. Not only with focus on you, but in general. I mean, sustainable fashion, like coming from a fashion company, is like it's sort of like hindering its own business, right? I mean, if somebody uh, buys a sustainable jeans and then he doesn't buy any further jeans for the next couple of years, this is not going to be good for the company, right? So, <laughs> so you have to like uh, sort of like you know uh, disrupting your own business in, in, in the midterm if you if if you sell sustainable well, things.
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's more like we live in a consuming society where people are, are buying things and people are always going to be buying clothes and people are going to want new clothes. So it's like, if we can be the source for those people to come to when they do want to spend money on clothes, knowing that the impact of the production on those clothes has a minimal impact on the planet versus going to other typical brands where they have a much higher impact on the planet. That's what we're trying to achieve here. Um,
1: yeah, if you look at all the fast fashion brands, they're going through the roof, still they do. And people just love to consume, people love to consume fashion and we are living in a trend-orientated society. So that's that won't change. And even if you will t- tell people, okay, buy less clothes, buy less everything, that won't really happen because our economy, everything is built on consumption. And it's just about how do we change that in the direction of, okay, let's make less harm to the planet. For example, if I can give an example, if you take a normal T-shirt, you need 2,700 liters to produce one T-shirt or 10,000 liters of water for one pair of jeans. And when you use recycled materials, you can reduce that um, up to 95%. And those are big numbers. And if you think of it in a big scale of, like Primark, as to name an as an example, we could make a big, big change if the whole fashion industry shifts in that direction.
0: Have you ever, any, both of you, ever worked for like a fast fashion company for for H and M or Zara, Primark? Have you ever did, done that before?
1: I definitely have worked, and I have to say, I wasn't really aware of environment environmental issues like two or three years ago. It, really started to hit me like last year in the beginning of last year I had quite of a hard year for me it was an interesting year because I started to realize who I am and I was like questioning myself questioning my um, my function as a role model and I was just like what is it actually that i'm doing i guess i became a woman i bet i guess i grew up last year <laughs> okay and um that was the part when i switched over and i was like i actually want to be much more aware of what i support what i do and um also what i advertise
0: so you so you wouldn't go back and, and if they, if, they, if primark or somebody like that came out again <laughs> you you'd, you'd, you'd probably not be available
1: I think that would be quite hypocritical, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I would that. Okay. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Uh, did, I mean, in, in Germany, at least, we see like a lot of collaborations between um, major e-commerce platforms, Zalando, About You, and influencers even building their own brands. I talked to Lena Gerke a couple of months ago in the podcast. Um, she's doing that with About You. Um, why didn't you cooperate with a major e-commerce platform?
1: That is still the plan. Ah. um we yeah yeah we still want to work with retailers i think that's um one thing if you want your brand to be successful and as big as possible and also if you have a mission and vision like we have with our sustainability ethos if you want to make it big you have to cooperate with other big retailers and with other giants in this big fashion space and We want to be a good example, you know, we want actually other fashion brands to copy us and we're very open and transparent. If anyone asks us, how do you do that? But how can you make your um, sustainable clothing affordable? We're very happy to open up our books because for us in the first place, it really is that we have our mission and a vision here that we actually want to shift the fashion industry in the right direction. Mm -hmm.
0: I imagine, like you and the and the founder team have, you must have created some sort of a business plan before you everything started. Like, just take me a little bit in, into this business plan. Do you think, like, like next twelve months you're going to be able to like I don't know, do five or ten million revenue already, or is it going to be a, a, mm-hmm. a long time away? Or what, what, what's your what's your thinking?
2: So, <laughs> before coronavirus, <laughs> um, we for sure had had targets in place um but look the coronavirus situation has affected us internally it's affected the whole planet Mm -hmm. the whole economy so it's really hard to actually predict what we're going to be achieving um but you know we we still launched in a global pandemic because we felt it was the right thing to do with all the work that we've put into it and the response that we had to our launch was fantastic it was really really genuinely amazing um so yeah it's a hard it's a hard thing to answer but of course there's a business plan there's there's targets that are set there's there's numbers that will have to be um hit but you know that's part of the journey it's part of the process and yeah hopefully we can still find
0: success in a global pandemic <laughs> okay. i mean i understand that's very you know unusual circumstances for everybody um but just to, you know get, get a feeling like if you really push it hard with both of your accounts and you really like promote something i imagine i mean you're selling like stuff that costs uh, like what's your, what's a what's a does what a typical item cost um uh new in item anything from 19 euros to 89 euros so let's say average 50 euros so mm-hmm. can can you drive like a, a million euros in revenue in a day is that possible if you really like push something
2: i mean that that would be amazing
0: but it's, <laughs> um, but it's, re- it's, it's realistic
2: i think it's realistic yeah wow i do wow. well i think i think it's um it's realistic at a different time though so at what level of brand awareness you have because you've got to think so much of what we're trying to do is build brand awareness because we've just put a new brand into the world a lot of people need to be drawn into that brand they need to understand that brand they need to see what the clothes are like we have a reputation to build in that part before we have instant trust in that brand you know Mm -hmm. so for sure at some point i think we would love to be able to to drive something like that
0: are you going to work with um offline businesses as well or is, it, uh, I mean, is, is it mostly going to be sold online through platforms or through your own uh, you know online store or are you going to you know look at partnerships with, with or like even maybe open your own shops
1: yeah i mean
0: plan. it's all, that's yeah.
1: the, that's you, the plan that is the plan so we do want to have an own shop one day um which will be more like an explore exploring world i want to call it where you can learn about sustainability about fabrics about factories and so on so it won't be just a standalone um, normal shop I would say but we do want to work with other offline retailers because that's again another step um, of how you can grow your business and we are in conversations with many many shops and we'll see with who we will then have a relationship
0: Marcus, you've been in in different industries at different times. I know, but uh, under different platforms. But would you say that ac- across all influencer industries or influencer sectors that you've uh, that you've experienced, uh, like Instagram and fashion on Instagram is probably the most like the best to be in from a business perspective. I mean, is it the most money to be made in in, in on Instagram and in fashion compared to let's say gaming on YouTube or other stuff that you've seen in the past.
2: Ooh, um... That's a really tough question to answer. I think in terms of building a brand, uh, if you have a product working with influencers in the beauty and fashion sector is very appealing, but in terms of. Gamers, you know, these guys drive huge revenues for themselves through live streams and, um, merchandise and, and selling products. So that's a really tough, it's kind of, I almost can't put them in the same conversation, Um,
1: But if I can be honest, I don't even think that the fashion business, especially for men is that big, also not online. I think as a male, you're most likely to, I don't know, build up a big business if you do something else like gaming, like digital concepts. But I feel like the fashion industry is not growing as fast in the male audience.
0: Okay. And is it still growing in the in the female sector? I mean, I mean, you, you are in it in for 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 like almost a decade now. Um, is it has it changed? Or has it slowed down a little? Do you feel like it has, like everything has, sort of like established itself, and there's like the d- dynamic is a little down, or is it still like you know, apart from coronavirus, is it still like as dynamic as it was three four years ago?
1: I would say it's still the same um, for women, definitely, because you can see all the other. Big retailers are still growing, are still doing those big corporations and big influencers still do their um, collections for the retailers. So that's definitely not a market that is sinking. And I don't think it will sink um, soonish because, that, as I said, that's like something that people love. It makes them feel good about themselves. Um, I mean, fashion and it is just... In consuming business, and I think that, yeah, that won't change in the next few years. I'm quite sure about it.
0: Do you think that your careers would be possible in 2020? I mean, could there be another Stefanie Giesinger like coming out of television and then all of a sudden a couple million followers on Instagram? No. Um, that's impossible today.
1: That I think that is quite impossible today. The dynamic changed in that th- type of sense, um, even. When we speak about our new Instagram channel, I mean, it's amazing that we have 46,000 followers now, um, just in a couple of days, because of Marcus and my push. But I think if that was like four years ago, we would have much, much more followers. But the algorithm changed. There are much, much more users on Instagram now. And there are more influencers than ever out there. So that definitely changed. And I think there will be a complete new market soon, Um, and maybe it's TikTok. Who knows?
0: Are you are you you know happening? Are you doing stuff on TikTok? Any one of you? (laughs) We started. We we tried.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We experimented. I have to say, I feel old when I open this app. I'm like, fucking hell! I'm old. (laughs) What is this concept? But it is very interesting. It is very entertaining, and i don't want to miss out on this i don't you know i i have the feeling of missing out so i will definitely experiment and um, try to do more content on there
0: do you see uh, do you look at like newcomers on instagram that you see that they're not in the millions yet but they that at least have come up in the past month and have had a had a steady rise or had doing something right on Instagram that you people that you that you look to that you think that could be stars in the future that have like found a new way to approach the platform?
2: I I think what's happened now is like, we, we came onto the platforms at, at the beginning of time where there wasn't really many public figures using these platforms, whereas now, the platforms have kind of segmented into their niches and people fall into those niches and will build followings within those niches and these followers may be smaller followings when you look at their numbers but the engagement is so high there because they're driving this smaller highly engaged following purely on that niche whether it's you know a gardening instagram account or how to fix your bike wheel or something there's there's now like these niches that are being created for everything and i think that's where people can experience new growth in those areas because like steffi said the the influencing world has become so saturated every man and their dog is now an influencer so
1: (laughs) yeah but it is also very interesting that especially now while corona the fitness content is consumed like crazy so that's definitely something that will grow much much more and um yeah, as Marcus said, I think there are so many niche little spaces and parts, also cooking and everything that is quite informative. People like to be informed. Um, and not only entertained on Instagram, that's always a good way.
0: And for you, is that, I mean, the, the, the long-term future now, is it your main profession to, to build up um, your new company or is it just like something that you do for the moment and then you'll do, find new stuff and hold the shares and somebody else will be doing the operational business or is it something that you'll be involved in as, a, as an entrepreneur basically for the next years to come on a daily basis?
1: for me as a plan, it's definitely something that I want to be involved in in the next few years as an entrepreneur. And that's definitely the, the direction I see myself going. Um, but I still have my partnerships, which are very important to me. And I will still work for them. But, you, you know, I think we're shifting right now. And I started as a model and I'm still a model. But if you look at the... Typical or the most successful models at the moment, they are big on Instagram, and they started because they are big on Instagram. So I think if you have like that kind of following and that support on that side, you can then start off and kind of decide every day what you want to do. So I want to keep open what I want to do in the future, but for now, I want to concentrate on UN on my own skincare and on the partnerships. Mm-hmm and you marcus (laughs) yeah
2: yeah Yeah, i mean i mean Steffi answered it well look i've i've always been interested in business and i've always set businesses up around everything that i've done you know i've got a music management business i set up i did a healthy subscription snack box um so for me it's always been finding things that i'm passionate about and trying to trying to do something out of that And it now just so happens that we found one in fashion, which is hopefully doing something good for the planet as well. Um, So yeah, it's kind of, it's super exciting right now. And I'm, I'm loving it because it's the first time I've been involved in a proper startup and having that whole energy and ups and downs that you experience within a startup is one, it's a crazy experience. um, But two, I feel like we're also learning so much and, who knows what the future holds but for right now it's yeah it's new and it's uh everything else that we've got going on around those things as well
0: is, is there ever a day that you don't go on instagram i mean have every days where you don't <laughs> visit the platform
1: <laughs> i love your questions honestly they're so good but i have to say i feel addicted to the platform and sometimes that annoys me so much that i leave my phone in another room, or I don't even take it with me, so I don't take my phone on a trip on the whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't even say that there is a day where I don't open Instagram. It's it's hard for me.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's it's, yeah. it's it's your business, right? I mean, so I mean, you know, other people go to the office every day, so it's. I mean, I feel like it, it's it's justified in your position to be there every day. I'm just asking. I mean, it's. I'm not. I'm not trying to make a point. I'm just, you know, find it interesting. Um, it's it's your office basically
2: yeah I, I think for sure but also we have become so addicted to our phones like you know I feel if I don't look at my phone for more than an hour or a few hours you start to get anxious like am I missing things because I think how businesses are transforming now as well like so much of our business conversations are are whatsapp driven
1: mm-hmm.
2: so it's like you it's hard to leave the office whether that's Instagram, WhatsApp, like all of these things are now driven through these little technical devices that we carry around with us day to day. So every now and again, and Steffi is much better at this than me. We try and have these days where we don't go on our phones at all. Where, you know, we don't have it next to our bed or, or these types of things. But Steffi is a lot better at that than me. I find that really hard.
0: How many people have access to your accounts? I mean, I know that like, you know, with major accounts, there's like tons of people helping and, and editing and, and putting pictures in and everything. How is that with you? I mean, you're probably not the only ones um, having access to your accounts.
1: No, it's just us.
0: Seriously? Yeah. I mean, the new
1: in and account. No, right? Our personal ones, I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the large ones, I mean, the million people. Seriously, yeah, it's just us.
1: Yeah, I, I do my content. Honestly. Marcus takes my pictures. I take his pictures of him. And I don't know, I think I wouldn't trust other people into my Instagram account. I don't know. I I have this Instagram account literally since 2011. Same password. And and same. (laughs) No, I have changed. (laughs) Um, But I just honestly, I I feel like that's my world. That's my vision. That's me being creatively expressing what's going inside of me and I wouldn't want other people to take part in this. Okay. I, that sounds quite e- egoistic, doesn't it? But it's just like, it is my world. It is my job. And as you say, it is my office. But it's it's much more personal than that. So I don't think I would, um, for now, leave other people creatively in
0: that. No, I mean, I've just th- thought of like support, you know, like an editor writing something down that, that you I don't know, been... Thinking up and then some, send it to somebody else to 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 post or like pictures to to edit and with, then post or something that stuff like that.
2: We we have this with Newn. You know, we have like a whole um, strategy, and we have uh, you know we have teams that help with this type of thing. But I think that's also where you see Newn as a as a brand, and even though of course Steffi is a brand as well, it's it, it's not it's not seen like that. It is kind of like what Steffi says. That's more her and it's her and more me and that's that's that but i think when you when you're building a brand uh, or a business you for sure need a lot of help with those types of things
0: and
1: i also think the big influencers they actually do their content on their own i don't think other people are posting for them because that is what is successful i assume People like to see real content, content that is happening in the moment that is relatable and that is not filtered through a thousand filters and super edited. And um, we more and more, we're craving this realness. So I don't think it's actually a good step to get people into an Instagram team.
2: I I think just to add on to that, it's different for YouTubers because youtube you are editing takes so much time and creating video content takes so much time so i think a lot of youtubers will look to work with editors and people just to help with workloads but but that's probably yeah that's probably where it goes
0: have you ever been back on youtube i mean was it like you left youtube for good
2: i never want to say i left for good i just i just took a step back from the platform for then, you know, I still have like, I think I still have over 4 million subscribers on one of the channels. So who knows what will happen with that channel and what I'll do with it or if I'll ever upload to it. I don't know. Could you, you sell know? it? Sorry. I mean,
0: isn't there people like that? Like, <laughs> whoa, I can I, can I buy your like channel? You're not using it anymore. 4 million. It's probably worth like a lot of money.
2: Would would this be a good time to put it out on air if anyone wants to buy it?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could, we could auction it. Your old account.
2: <laughs> um, no, so it's actually in in YouTube's now terms of service that you're not allowed to sell a channel. I did sell a channel, however, back in the day, what before I put myself on the channel on the. On the I did another channel that I built up some followers to, and I actually sold it to a German person mm-hmm. when I was sixteen years old, mm-hmm. yeah, like years and years and years How, ago. for
0: like a couple of thousand or like a couple of
2: hundred, yeah yeah, one thousand five hundred euros, okay, um but you know I was sixteen, and it was, yeah, I was like, yeah, of course, like I'm not gonna use this channel, I don't know, it's super weird, but I felt kind of like I was on top of the world at that point when I was sixteen,
0: mm-hmm. okay, okay. 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 So, uh, what can I shop now at New inn I have to look. I have to see. But but it's 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 unisex, right? I mean, it's for it's for um, men and women, right?
2: Yeah, it's for it's for men's, women's. Um, we have activewear. We've got plus coming for plus size in in the summer. So we like we said, we really want to make it accessible. So pretty much anyone. Will go onto newin.com and they will find something for them. Um, that that's the goal.
0: Maybe maybe one last question that I, that I mean I, I try to build up my little Instagram followership like now as a as a B two B guy, um, and 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 being way too late. But I'm I'm like one thing that I'm thinking about is that it really depends on the frequency. I mean, if you put out too little. Um, it's just not good enough. You have to like have a steady output in a high frequency. Is that something that that you would agree with? Or is that something that also is is true for you, uh, again? Uh, It's,
2: it's a really tough one, because it's like, I've seen experiences in both. So like when back in the YouTube days, the more frequent I posted, the more growth I experienced. Whereas on Instagram, it's like, I know for some people that's the case, but I also think if you're posting so much, you can also annoy people. I think it's whatever your audience become, um, that they sort of follow you for. So if your audience land on you because they, they kind of like what you do and you post once or twice a week, and then you go to posting twice a day, nonstop in the stories, that, that might start to annoy that person. So they might unfollow you. Mm-hmm. But I think it's different across every
0: platform. Are you going to Coachella this year? Huh.
1: No. <laughs> i don't think so but it's happening
0: right it's happening is it uh, yeah is it i'm not sure no they moved it to october
2: yeah i yeah. mean the lineup's incredible
0: yeah and then they moved it so, and they moved it to october and i mean it's out there and it, it, I, I was wondering i mean it's it's always a big place for for fashion influencer people right yeah
1: yeah it it, it is um and we've been there like every year um, the typical influencers are always there. But no, the lineup is legit so nice. So we, we, we did want to go. But I don't think this year will be much traveling for us. Because, um, yeah, non-essential travels is just not something we want to do. Um, but one thing I, I want to say
0: mm-hmm.
1: for um, New Inn. So we actually didn't tell you that one of our strategies is that we will do collaborations with influencers so they will do their own collections for Nguyen that's Ah. also one way how we want to grow because we really know and we saw it from other retailers that this is like the fastest and best and biggest and most most authentic way to grow an audience for your brand
0: okay so 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 who do you have in mind Are, are already like some collaborations that you are like working on that you can disclose
1: well, Marcus is our master here. he's signing up all the influences.
0: <laughs> um,
2: yeah, so we it's a bit of a shame because a lot of the collaborations that we had in the pipeline had to be put on hold because of corona because mm-hmm. um, some of our factories uh, closed were temporarily closed down, so we had to put a lot on hold um, but i don't yeah, I can't reveal anyone now, but we for sure have a nice lineup of people who will. Come on board and either collaborate with us for promotion of the brand, or we'll be bringing out their own collection with us.
0: And that, that's that's global global people, not just German, not just UK, from all all, all aspects of the globe.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: exactly. Okay.
1: So, Philip, you will definitely find some kind of clothing that you will like.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, I mean, I'll be following you and, and, you know, hopefully at some point, Marcus, you'll be sporting something that I can then shop.
2: <laughs> hopefully. that we be <laughs>
0: <Yeah. cool. laughs> All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully the Corona thing is going to go by and, and, you know, you get your stuff up and You know, maybe Coachella is still happening. Who knows? I mean, I I
1: are you going? No, I've
0: never been there. I I, I was thinking. No, I I thought I should go at some point, and then, you know, I I was thinking about last year, and then I was uh, didn't happen, and this year, then it looked like it's not real. But I saw the documentary at least. There's a really good documentary on. I think it's free on YouTube that says um, "20 Years in the Desert." I just watched uh, it. A you should watch it. It's it's a great documentary about Coachella and how it all began and you know the very early years, why it's there and the guy that founded it. Then he had to go to prison for drug trafficking for seven years, and it's really a weird story. And now it's yeah. so big. So if you like, you know, have some some time in the on the sofas, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> maybe uh, twenty years in the desert. I it's a free promotion. I really liked it.
1: Oh thank you I'll okay i will out. take a look mm. and you might think and say whatever you want uh, about Coachella but i have to say i always loved it i love the concept i love the music there and it's actually an actually very very nice festival
0: absolutely i mean it's i mean i'm a festival guy as you, as you know um, and it was <laughs> to me it's 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 inspiring to see how they did it and how they you know how they grew it and it, it, it's very like credible, the German word credible or like legit. I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, it's obviously it's a place for influencers these days, but I think mm-hmm. you know, it has the right spirit. It was very like a punk rock in the beginning and then it shifted, but it's still the same crew. I mean, in the beginning, I didn't even know who's hosting and who's actually owning it. And um, mm-hmm. this is all in the documentary. Oh,
1: that's cool. Nice. nice. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Hopefully, you'll, you'll be around for for OMR 21. We do our yes. We we uh, you know pick up where we left off this year. That,
1: that, that's that's, right that's
0: cool. That's nice. All right. <laughs> All righty. Right, <laughs> <Mas gut>. good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And You too. Ciao. <laughs>